everyone considered him the coward of the county. Hey everyone, it's the American Soccer Now in 10 or 15 Minutes podcast. I'm John Arnold, joined today by a great panel in Brooklyn. It's the ever-consistent Noah Davis. What's up, Noah? I just keep showing up, John. You can't get rid of me. Uh, you're consistent, and that's what I like about you. Certainly, it's not for the opinions. And a man that is here for his fantastic opinions out on the West Coast, it's Richard Farley of 442. How's it going, Richard? It's going good. I, I occasionally show up, and you might be able to get rid of me. Right. That's why I keep you around is the inconsistency. If you've never listened to the show before, listener, there's three categories. Those categories are real prompts. Our panelists go back and forth on those prompts a little bit. We wrap up in around 10 or 15 minutes because you've got better things to do with your day. You've got Olympics to watch. You've got the Premier League starting back. You've got all sorts of things going on. Uh, and we respect that. Today's categories, let me look into the category vault. And oh, good. No, all three categories are here today, unlike last time. Uh, today, the categories are Courage the Cowardly Dog. Falstaff and Colin Cowherd. Colin Cowherd. Uh, Courage the Cowardly Dog, Falstaff and Colin Cowherd. Uh, Richard, guests first, where are you going? Uh, let's go with Courage, Courage the Cowardly Dog. That sounds that sounds nice and neat and not controversial at all. Well, I think this might be a little twist for you. The level animated series is designed as horror comedy, designated as horror comedy, sort of sums up soccer fandom for most people that I know. Richard, should U.S. fans be horrified at the national team's failure to take a medal home from Rio after the shootout loss to the Swedes, or should they take it in stride with a laugh, knowing there's maybe more good things to come? Um, none of the above. I think they should be disappointed because the U.S. national team has set such a high standard, and going into the Olympics, there was no reason to believe they wouldn't meet that standard. However, the nature by which they were eliminated in the quarterfinals in Rio, that happens to even the best teams of all time. They outshot Sweden 26-5. to They came up against a very atypical approach. They couldn't fully break down that team. They ended up going to penalty kicks and losing there. These things happen in soccer, even to the best teams of all time. And unless you want to set a standard for the women's national team that is beyond that, and if you do, congratulations, that's really ambitious, then you shouldn't be upset by how the U.S. uh, were eliminated from Rio. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's a bad loss because they lost in the quarters and they were, you know, but as Richard said, I mean, they they were the better team. They, you play that game... 10 times, they probably win the vast majority of those. Um, you know, I think there are some concerns a little bit. They, as Richard said, they didn't create too much offense. They struggled to break down the Swedes. That's that's concerning uh, on sort of a greater, greater team ideal, I think. But the fact that they lost a soccer game is certainly not the end of the world. I mean, they, they should have won a medal. But I, I think one of the things that people really like about soccer and why we all get into it is because there is that luck and that unpredictability and you know the best team doesn't always win and you know that's that's frustrating when your team is the best team and they lose but that's part of the game and that's why it's great richard you said that fans shouldn't also take it in stride and laugh do you think there were things that you know even from that game that that points to a continued good future or do you think maybe uh there's reason for worry there are definitely things that point to a consistent and good future uh the depth and attack that the united states has is incredible uh they have a couple of players that didn't even make this team that could make huge impacts going forward in the coming cycle uh but the concerns that a lot of u.s fans had coming into the tournament are still there uh, namely the jill ellis concern i don't share in this concern but a lot of fans just haven't been won over by jill ellis more convinced by her lack of titles uh, at ucla and her lack of abil- uh, ability to perform at the u levels of the program. Uh, I was convinced by what she did at the World Cup, but for people who weren't, they're not going to be uh, placated by what happened in Rio. 
And it's tough because, like, I, I was skeptical before the World Cup as well. And then the World Cup was such a good run. She won the World Cup. And no team has ever done that World Cup to Olympic cycle. So like you said, Richard, it's pretty high standard if you want to say the U.S. women's team can never lose um, or can never, you know, get taken into a shootout and, and have that kind of, not game of chance, but certainly not as kind of representative as the rest of the game decide its future. Well, okay, let's move on from Courage the Cowardly Dog. Noah, do you want to pick Falstaff or Colin Coward? Uh, Falstaff, please. Uh, Noah, this cowardly knight shows up in three Shakespeare plays, and in one, The Merry Wives of Windsor, goes after not one but two ladies who are already married. So many teams were already coupled off in the October window because of World Cup qualification uh, games. What do you think about the United States ultimately ending up with the friendly slate of Cuba and New Zealand in October? Is this good preparation for the hex run that likely will follow, or should the Americans have made a play for higher quality dance partners? I mean, I think you'd always want your team to play... Uh, the best teams they can find or a little bit higher quality, but you know, you, you have no idea what the machinations for those games were. Uh, it sounds like they were trying to play Ghana and then there's a rule about not being able to travel too much that hampered them as something I was reading on Twitter earlier today. So yeah, I mean, I, I think they're not the best games. Uh, you know, I think New Zealand is, is a better, a better opponent. Uh, they, they should they should beat Cuba pretty easily. But you know this team has a lot of things to work on, and I think you like in these games. You know, especially teams that are going to pack it in, like you may see in the in the hex in some of the games. Um, you know, I, I think it'll be good to kind of let them do that. And I think the opponent is less important here than what we see from the people that get called in and how they're training and how that's applied to the field. Like Noah is implying, uh, against these opponents, there is an opportunity to see what gets built going forward, what gets built for that next round of the hexagonal. If the competition was higher, maybe the circumstances of the games are such that the U.S. can't do what they want to do and can't test out these players that maybe start to impact those call-ins that Klinsman has in the games that matter. So... On one, on one side of the coin, yeah, Cuba, New Zealand, maybe we don't learn a lot. Maybe we learn some things we don't want to learn. On the other side of the coin, you do want some games sometimes where you can kind of dictate things, test what you want to be going forward, and see how those tests turn out. I'm a little surprised that neither of you brought up, and maybe I, maybe I'm buying this and you guys aren't, but I think just the fact that the United States is playing this game in Havana is, is interesting, is special. And look, like you could only play CONCACAF, Oceana or apparently some African teams during this window, the fact that you use this as an opportunity to kind of make, uh, you know, make something that is historical in some way happen, I, I think is is fascinating. No, am I buying a little too much into the PR spin? I, I think a little bit. I'm a little tired of the teams going to Cuba. I mean, the U.S. played, they played in Havana like not that long ago, right? I mean, I, I you know, I understand. But that was a game that they had to play. This is a choice. Sure, but... You know, they're not the first team to do it. I mean, the Cosmos went down there and made a big thing about it. A lot of teams have done this. You know, I, I think it's cool and I, I think it'll be I think it'll be fun and I think it'll be a good game. But I, I, I'm getting tired of the X team, X person, X company goes to Cuba and we make it a big deal like it's something that's never happened before. All right, fine. Richard, you you similarly cynical? You, oh, the Tampa Bay Rays did it. We can't be excited about U.S. soccer going? Well, there are certain things that people make a big deal out of that you shake your head and can't understand why they make a big deal out of it. I don't think this is it. If, John, you want to make a big deal out of this, I completely understand that. But I'm certainly more in Noah's camp on this one. And I think the lack of a big deal that people thought the Cosmos going down there was, I mean, they tried very hard to make that into a yeah. big national publicity play. Didn't work. I think that overall shows that people are kind of disinterested interested with this narrative i mean you guys know me if they were going to like aruba i'd be pretty excited because hey it's a Concacaf friendly and that's what i'm into 
Uh, let's move on to the last category before I get any more uh, wonky and nerdy. Uh, it's Colin Cowherd. Uh, this is me trying to make a play on his name. I don't know if anyone picked up on that. Uh, Richard, we'll go to you first. The former ESPN, now Fox Sports talker, never shies away from a hot take. After U.S. goalkeeper Hope Solo's comments that the Swedish team was cowardly, there was a wave of criticism from various members of the press, uh, both soccer and non-soccer, not least of which was Alexi Laws wondering why other members of the women's team didn't take more control of the narrative. Which bothered you more, Richard, Solo's comments or people's reaction to them? Um, Lawless's tweet bothered me much more than Solo's comments. Solo's comments were dumb and they were beyond the spectrum of what we normally see from an athlete reaction, but ultimately they were just an athlete reaction that were contained that was contained to that game. Calling somebody cowards is much worse than saying the 99% of the things that we hear post-match. But Lawless's reaction, the idea that the athletes should come and take over the narrative. First of all, the people responsible for the narrative are the people that are overreacting to cowards. It's not Hope Solo herself. And secondly, asking Mega Rapino and Alex Morgan to jump in implies that the relationship that they have with Hope Solo is such that they would feel comfortable doing that or that they should do that. Why would they compromise their friendship with Hope Solo just over one word said, said after a game? I think that we should have room for athletes to say things like cowards. We should have room to say that is an idiotic thing to say and not make it into something that has to define the team dynamics or define the women's team itself. And I think that's what people are doing. And I think we see a lot of people, uh, Christine Brennan from USA Today keeps going on and on about this Hope solo thing at some point the story has been told and we have to let the story become a new one and hope solo saying cowards has nothing to do with some of the other prominent things in her past i mean it's not a great look right but it's hope solo it's it's not i'm not surprised that she came out in the heat of the moment and said this uh you know it's not the way that i would have phrased it it's not eloquent it's not uh gracious but it's not the worst thing that she's done by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and yeah, I, I think that people jumping jumping on her for this, I get it. I get why you'd be outraged for a little bit. But I mean, it's it move on, get get over it. You know, it, it's it's not the end of the world. It was a relatively classless thing said. You know, ninety seconds, three minutes, five minutes, whatever it was, after an incredibly tough loss by someone who has always spoken her mind for better or worse, and. You know, I think with hope, you get what you you get what you get, and that's a that's a pact that the U.S. team and the U.S. management and everyone involved in that program has made. And this didn't change anything. I mean, you get the good and the bad with her, and they decided to take everything. And I, I agree with Richard. I don't think it should be on her teammates to come out and you know change change the narrative or anything like that. I mean. If, if anyone is going to have to do it, it has to be someone from a higher level in U.S. soccer. And it's clear from how they have reacted to other things she's done and said in the past that there isn't that impetus, that she's part of this team. And, and that's the choice they made. And so they need to live with that. This, this worried me a little. And this is part of the reason I even included this. I think, you know, a lot of people have talked about this. I wasn't sure if I wanted to put it in today's podcast. But I value both of your opinions. And, and I also wanted to say a little bit as well. I, I mean... We've all been kind of advocates and in, in conversations on air and off. We've talked about how we wish athletes had more candor. We wish athletes spoke their mind more often. But then what happens when they do? And look, Richard, you said you should have the right to say something dumb. Like, this was not smart. This was not cool. This was not uh, how someone should react after a loss, I don't think. And I think most of us are in agreement on that. But at the same time, like, 
that was said and and that's how she felt and that's fine like that's valid those feelings matter you know and 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 the fact that she said that i think is while not a smart thing to say a welcome thing that she did say and like you said richard very weird to then say i don't know that the teammates need to control the narrative i mean basically not only is it advocating for a relationship that, that we don't know about like you said richard but also sort of saying we need athletes to be a little bit more boring. We need athletes to fit into this kind of box. We need the 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 kind of stock answers after this. I, I thought I thought that was a little weird. Well, and I think also to that point, the reaction to what she said is so out of proportion to what she said. You know, what you you have one person saying one thing, and then you have ten thousand people in the media and every person on Twitter offering up their opinion too. And, and it, it does it just makes it so that why would you ever want to say anything interesting? Because you'll just get yelled at from every direction. And I think the sad part for me, and I think this is where maybe somebody like me can push back a little bit. I'm not somebody that's ever had a sit down with Hope Solo. I don't know much about her family life, but I've talked to almost all the teammates that she's had, uh, the national team level and with the Seattle Reign. And this is a person that is not just somebody that just has an at a general attitude problem. She's somebody that makes very prominent mistakes at very heated moments. But the other side of the story is that she is a great teammate to so many people, not just the stars on the national team. You have people coming directly from college into the Seattle Reign and become very big fans of Hope Solo almost immediately. Hope Solo is a complicated person, but the way we talk about her is in very ignorant and uncomplicated ways. And unfortunately, we saw that last week because Coward could have just been a, a complexity, a nuance within sport, and instead it got blown up into a whole personality profile of somebody that people just don't want to like at this point. One other thing, and if you're still listening to this, you're either a big fan of us or, or have interest in the topic. I thought it was fascinating that a lot of people I saw on Twitter, social media in general, even in the comments section, which you should never read, um, were, say, we're blaming the media for this. I don't think people realize how much they also drive what the media covers. You know, the fact that Hope Solo says Coward gets way more clicks than a smart, reasoned analysis of why the women's team wasn't able to get past Sweden. I think that's a shame. And, and yes, it is somewhat on us, the kind of gatekeepers, quote unquote, to make that decision. But it's also on the readers. If you're interested in why the team got knocked out more so than Hope Solo kind of spouting off after a loss, you, you gotta you gotta click that. You gotta support that. And I know if you're listening to this podcast, you probably do. Guys, we're running out of time. Uh, really great stuff today. Noah, Richard, thank you so much. Listener, thank you for joining. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk about everything going on in American soccer. Ooh, those qualifiers are coming up. We'll talk about it next week. Hope you join us then. Everyone considered him the coward of the county.